Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I knew what I was going to do was going to be very special with my life. I'm an example just to show people that like, you come up from nothing. Prince had dedicated his whole legacy to celebrating women, celebrating women of color, and celebrating positive music. I'm going to uphold that. You're your own worst critic. I feel like you should be it anyways, but I, I'm always that, and I was just hating my song, so I was hating myself. Some people are at their cubicle job right now making way less than us. Some people are across the world in a goddamn sweatshop making like nothing a day, and we're getting paid to sing and dance. To sing and dance, that's a blessing. Artists out here, they're just willing to settle for anything. You know what I mean? And once you're willing to settle for anything, you deserve anything you settle for. Yo, this young murder. Yo, this is Lizzo. This is August Regal. What's good? It's Kehlani. This is your man, Blake Carrington. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Cheddar. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. And my guest today goes by the name of Dave B from Seattle. He's going to be in Toronto Sunday, April 2nd at the Velvet Underground. Make sure you get all the full details at thecomeupshow.com. We'll be giving away a pair of tickets as well that you can enter. You'll find that link for that in the description. And Dave B, talk to me about what it's like to tour on the road, why he wants to keep it 100% independent, and how he randomly ended up at a Chingy concert. Dave B on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go! How's how's the tour life been, man? It's been fun. Um, I've really just been just been in a van for most of the time, so I realized a lot of it is just driving. But just being able to just uh, perform in different places every night—that's it's crazy. It's dope seeing how people react to it. Some people that know it already. It's been a lot of fun. That's dope, man. And uh, I think you tweeted that so much love out here, man. Get you some. And, uh, you know, for the people who are in the bubble right now, they're on their social media feeds, they're watching the news channel, a lot of toxic, negative stuff out there. Is the real world where you're at in the road, does it reflect what's going on? And is there love out there, man? Uh, There definitely is. That's why I I had just looked up. I was just calling through the timeline because I hadn't been really checking checking up on like social media while I've been doing shows and just been traveling. So I looked up on it and it's just like you said, just a bunch of, a bunch of stuff that's not really positive. And I don't really like to live like that, but out there on the road when people come to shows, it'd be nothing but love. And then we stopped at some, I woke up in the middle of a gas station parking lot in like Nevada one morning, went in there to brush my teeth. And there was a couple of kids who recognized me and it was just nothing but love. Like, there's, I just, it's it's so much out here, but people like to subscribe to kind of kind of the wrong shit, in my opinion. That's what you're about, right? Like the, your 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 vibe is about positivity. You're trying to make a difference. You're spreading feel good vibes, man. Why is that? Why is that important? Yeah, to you? 
Definitely. I mean, it's like we all, I, I just feel like we all have like our own little struggle, our own little issue, but there's so much, I mean, a lot of that really boils down to just the change in your attitude. And for me, music is like, affects mood so much more than than just being able to bob your head and dance to it. So if I could put in my little piece and my little contribution would just be to make music that makes people feel good and make people see like the other side of that struggle. Like there's not just sitting here and wallowing in it. There's go outside. <laughs> there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, that's awesome, man. And yo, you're going to be in Toronto on uh, Sunday, April 2nd at the Velvet Underground. Have you been here before? I've never been to Toronto before. I've been to um, Canada like twice in my life. One of them was like last summer in Vancouver, so I'm excited. Is Macklemore and Ryan Lewis to Seattle to what Drake is to Toronto? Is that, is that a fair comparison? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, man, dang. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's that colossal. I feel like when I, just from the outside looking in, what Drake is to Toronto, uh, I wouldn't say that they were that, but they're definitely the. I mean, without a doubt, the biggest thing that's come out of here in like the last decade or so. But I don't know if it's uh, if it's if it's that. If it's that big of a yeah, because because Drake is an international pop star basically, and he's just on another level. So let's take it back. Uh, your father was a youth pastor. He worked at a gospel radio station, uh, like gospel music all around you. Uh, tell me about your upbringing and how it shaped you, how to influence you to who you are today. Man, yeah, I grew up like in the church, maybe five out of seven days a week, and then for elementary school, I went to like this Christian school uniform the whole nine uh they actually were allowed to whoop us so i grew up around like a lot of like christian morals and i don't i'm not necessarily like that deep into the church anymore but i think growing up with with that with that those kind of teachings and those kind of morals are really important um so like now i just the way i approach music is more so what it affected and just like my attitude around certain things the kind of things that i value but just the vibe of gospel music is pretty much uh, a majority of what I what I picked up from from how I was raised. Yeah, because uh, you were into it when your sisters, when your older sister was listening to Cash Money, and I was also obsessed with Cash Money. When Juvenile said Cash Money records Man. taking over for the '99 to 2000, I was like, "Whoa!" Like that was it yeah. for me. But you were at first disinterested. Definitely. You weren't really feeling the vibe of that. At, at yeah. first, how come? I was never, yeah, I was never really exposed to it. I was used to just every time you get in the car with mom or dad, you're listening to like John P. Key or some gospel artist. And so that was just what I was drawn to. And then so like the little bit of hip hop, like kind of bounce that I would get would be from like some Kirk Franklin record or some old like uh, when gospel artists were trying to trying to shift into like hip hop in like the 2000s so I wasn't really that into it I don't remember I don't remember what exactly she was playing but it was some cash money stuff and I was like okay this is kind of tight and then we went to Walmart and she bought me a Ludacris' first album and I just remember my dad like finding it and uh making me take it back to the store and I was like crying about it and shit I was like man 
<laughs> really wanted that Luda. But yeah. Yeah, what was it then? Like, yeah, that Ludacris uh, word of mouth uh, album. Blue Bow Wow, is, is that also like uh, something you looked up Man, as well? Yeah, too? I used to be. That was, yeah, that was like, I don't know how old I must have been, like nine or 10 or something. But I was like, ah, oh, this is, he a kid like me. And he's out here getting it. In. I'm seeing like music videos. I was just like super impressionable. So I was like, man, yeah, Lil Bow Wow getting it right now. Uh, I was trying to. I was. I was just became a fan of his. But and that was that was more that was more acceptable, I guess, to my parents than you know, Cash Money. <laughs> yeah, because like, Cash Money is like, yeah. no limit. Definitely yeah. compared to a kid, yeah, you know, yeah, I, 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 obviously. Mm-hmm. So, uh, tell me about the microphone that your sister got you as a Christmas present, and you were learning to record. Take me back to that memory. What was that like when you yeah. were first starting to? Um, record? I used to like, I used to like watch a bunch of little, like YouTube tutorials on just how, because my homie had, uh, he had like Fruity Loops program. He had like reason on his computer, and he would like make beats, and I would go to his house and watch him make beats, and I, that was just like the coolest shit in the world to me. And so I would like I would just go home, watch YouTube like tutorials of guys showing you how to do different tips and tricks. Even though I never, I didn't even have like a laptop to do those kind of things. I was just like fascinated with like the creation of, of like production of music. So I like like saved up some money. I got like this old like white. Mac laptop and then uh, for Christmas yeah my sister got me this microphone like a hundred some dollars and I still have it laying around somewhere but I just started downloading instrumental packs and uh, uploading freestyles to MySpace and stuff trying to to get people to recognize my little bit of talent or whatever and how old must you been because you're, you're you're young right like you're born in 93 you're only 24 years old so why are you still using myspace that's like ancient by now when that time no oh uh, no yeah that was man it was myspace was everything i was on there doing ridiculous things i remember you could make your little playlist i had like two three pages worth of music on myspace and I didn't. I think I was still using it because on Facebook, they, it didn't really. It looked too professional to me. I was like, I like how MySpace. It had like this little ratchet look, and people could upload their little music, talk their little shit. But Facebook was, Facebook was like the homies' parents were on Facebook, so I didn't really want to be uploading my stuff onto there. MySpace is where you could be ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I'm wondering, during this time when you're learning record, what your style was like at first, because now we're in a sing-song era of rap. It's about melody, harmonies, auto-tune, and your sound fits the current environment. And the reason why I'm wondering, Davey, is because I've interviewed a lot of rappers who were not like singing and doing all this stuff. They were rappers. They were spitting bars. And then they kind of adjusted right. their sound to kind of like, you know, to to you know to serve what people are looking for today so how did you like develop that sound and like maybe you know come to where you're at today the first first thing i ever recorded was like some little love song i wrote i'm gonna try to find it i know it's on my computer somewhere but i was like i grew up being in like choirs and being in like musical theater so i was like singing a lot still but i was listening now I'm like getting, by the time I'm recording my own music, I'm getting like deep, deep into hip hop. Now I'm on like far side. I'm on the like tribe. So I'm 
trying to really rap too. So I was really like trying to spit my little bars and everything, but it wasn't really like any mixture of it up until I started to, started to like develop my own little style. And I was like, well, let me just take it back to where I came from, to the roots. And so now it's more of just like, that's, I'm from that school of melody. So I'm, I'm mixing and matching rapping. I don't really think I do too much like pure rapping anymore, but I was definitely trying to spit the hardest little bars when I was first making my, making my song. Like coming for rappers food. You're going to eat them like spit hot fire, like Dylan basically. Right? Oh yeah, man. I was rapping about rapping. I was rapping about how dope my flow was. We used to freestyle at lunch. I used to have the homies come over after school. We'd be like seven people deep on some kind of freaking biggie beat or something. It was it was a good time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then when you start singing, like, uh, it's funny because you were talking about how you had a, your first show in Brooklyn and you're singing and you notice the majority of people attending your concert was like 75% women. Like, and, and, oh, yeah. and so how do you, how do you, were you kind of like bamboozled? Cause you know, when you're an underground rapper, sometimes starting out in a, you know what I mean? Maybe it might, like, it may be more dudes and you know, so like, well, how did that come to be? And like, what did you make of it? I think just from singing, and I think a lot of what I talk about isn't really like uh, I don't know if it, I don't know what it is, but I don't I don't think it's something that a lot of dudes would be like, yeah, man, let's go get a ticket to the Dave show to hear him singing about dancing with the girl, like <laughs> you know. So it's cool because I mean, it brings it ends up filling out because dudes are gonna find out that all their homegirls are going, so then. They're going to want to go follow the females. And for me, I think women definitely are. I think when when women catch on to it, that's when it really happens. Uh, like, I, I was, I didn't feel any type of way. I was like, man, this, this is what it's supposed to be like. I, I have a room full of women when I listen back to like, okay, what am, why is there hella women here? And we're listening to the records like, okay, it's mostly directed at that crowd. So what it happened the way it was supposed to, I feel like. Oh, you're set, bro. You're set now. Like, let's be truth. You don't want to. You don't want a sausage fetch at your. You know, you're not like a dictionary oh, rhymes, not. metaphysical, analytical type of rapper. So, like, you you want to be successful. <laughs> you want to actually feed yourself, right? You don't want to be struggling rapper forever, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. so from reading about your story it seems like there was like you know times that you're on and off in music like you were not taking it seriously you were making music and you weren't you stopped and then you start taking it seriously again like what what was happening then um just like life really i mean i was i i'm like easily and then yeah still i mean there's like things that just come up or whatever that i wasn't really 
taking it too serious. I was just more into like music was a hobby and I was trying to be in school and I was trying to work a job and do all that kind of shit. But then I decided to like quit school to do music, I guess. But then I was just starting out and still uploading random YouTube freestyles or whatever. So that wasn't going to make me any money. So I'm working at a job by then. And that wasn't really bringing me any, I mean, wasn't making me happy. But I got fired from my job. And so that was kind of just like divine intervention, for lack of a better term, to just push me to take myself more serious and just take the craft more serious. So you don't want to sign to a major label, right? Like you want to be indie and it's important for you to be independent. Can you tell me why? I don't want to have to. Well, we went to, we went to New York and I just remember we went and met with a label and uh office that we had walked by, he was like, oh, yeah, man. Um, one of their artists that they're signing, he was like, he came in yesterday, man, and just trashed the whole room because they told him that the single or whatever wasn't going to work. And I'm just like, see, I don't need that. I don't want that kind of kind of situation and that kind of life. I want to maintain control of my situation because I'm really kind of like a control freak to where I want everything a certain way. I want it to be handled a certain way. I don't like to answer the people. That's why I don't. When I got fired from my job, I was never really in a rush or looking to go work for nobody else because I want to work for me and I want to make music work for me. So I can't really, unless there is a situation that I can maintain that kind of control, I don't really see it happening. And what is the hustle? What is the grind like? Because if somebody was pay attention to your social media, it seems like you just put out music, take dope photos, and you tour, and that's it. Is that all it takes? Um, there's a lot of stuff on the back end, um, uh, with like just book, being able to book shows. I think a lot of it just also comes from uh, how much time you put into it. I mean, there's the people uploading the song every day. But you got to kind of have a plan as to how you're going to put that out. Because I think about, oh, I uploaded a song today. So did 2,000 other people. So why is somebody going to click on my link? But if you kind of learn as you go and kind of through just experience, you realize, okay, I know this person can pass it on to there. <laughs> and it, things uh, Someone said to me, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that's... I used to be like, ah, oh, that's bullshit, because, you know, if I work hard, then it's just going to happen like that. But a lot of the time, it is kind of like who, how you use your resources. If you're like most people, the first thing you do when you wake up, you grab your cell phone and you check your social media apps. Include the Come Up Show part of that routine by following us on Instagram. It's where you see original pictures of your favorite artists, inspirational wisdom from our interviews, commentary on what's happening in the culture, contest, and so much more. Follow us on Instagram right now at The Come Up Show. I just want to ask uh, about your live performance. You have a background in musical theater, I believe, like Greece, Greece to like uh, Shakespeare. Uh, and I want to know how that informs your live performance style and what a show is like. Uh, yeah, um, so when I first started out and started performing, I was, I'm like, really, I was way more confident in performing than I was with like the music I was making because I'm used to being on stages, being in plays, being in choirs. I was just, that was something that I, I had no issue going on stage in front of people. Um, 
but it was just that the music wasn't strong enough. So I would go up there and I feel like I have a sick show. But when they go back and they look up, oh, who was that dude with all the with the with the dope performance? The music was like meh. So it's me being a performer. It just made me want to work harder and harder at music. It's like kind of like your children. Like you don't really love one of your kids more than the other, but you're gonna just work on both of them in their own little separate way. So you're proud of. So you're proud of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. You're coming uh, April 2nd to Toronto, the Velvet Underground. Uh, and I want to know, Dave, Like, did you randomly end up at a Chingy concert recently? And how did that happen? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, my <laughs> sister, my, I have three older sisters. So the youngest one, she's, uh, she's like Chingy's biggest fan for some reason. And this, at first, like my whole childhood, I was like, okay, he's the right third guy. Like, this this is a joke by now. Like, she can't be serious. But then she hit me up. And she was like, so Chingy's going to be in Washington, but, like, not in Seattle. So we drove. And we went on pretty much. She was like, what are you doing Friday? We need to kick it. I was like, okay. She comes and pulls up to my house on Friday. And she's like, okay, we're going to Chingy show. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We drove two hours on a road trip to some random casino bar to see Chingy and it was it was wild it was wild there was like three fights that broke out he tried he did some new music people were kind of like didn't know about it but then he started playing the hits and I was like Chingy has joints he has joints that's got, so like, a hilarious picture with him and everything <laughs> he like kissed her on the forehead she was talking about it the whole ride home I was like oh my god that's so funny. And when he performed right there, everybody go crazy? Oh, yeah. I went crazy. I had to catch it on Snapchat. I was like, man, this is why he did the right there, the Holiday Inn. He had, he, I was, you forget, but like, I was like, there was a time where she and all the DTP, they was all on the radio. I was like, these guys, I mean, he had some, Yo, uh, I want to thank you, Dave. Uh, Actually, last question. What is inspiring you? Just aside from being able to just feed myself and do what makes me happy, I think as far as Seattle goes, I'm like slowly but surely becoming one of those guys that when you talk about music from Seattle, I'm like one of those names that comes up. And so just being able to like represent where I'm from in the in the in the right way or what feels right to me it just keeps me going when you look around seattle's a place where like a lot of my homies have never been outside of seattle which is weird like and it's like so being able to travel and perform in different places to inspire them it inspires me just to be better and just to keep on grinding that's really dope yo thank you and what do you want to say to the people who are listening uh and our listeners from toronto about your show man make sure you come to the velvet underground april 2nd i'm gonna be there it's gonna be it's gonna be a party it's my first time in toronto so i need people to come out and and just enjoy themselves be ready to let loose because my show is not a spectacle i mean it's it's not stand around and look at them we're gonna actually have a party we're gonna interact and we're gonna have fun so make sure y'all come out and then if you're there around the day after or after the show let's kick it because i want to be able to see the city i just don't want to come in and perform and leave i want to be able to kick it see what's going on make sure you come 
Thank you for listening to the Come Up Show podcast and my interview with Dave B. Make sure you enter the contest at thecomeupshow.com. He's going to be here Sunday, April 2nd at the Velvet Underground. It's his first ever show. And as he said, he wants to see Toronto. So if you want to hang out with Dave, it's really cool to hang out with rappers after the shows. I must say so. I've done it a bunch of times myself. We'll see you Sunday, April 2nd at the Velvet Underground. My name is Chetto. Thank you for listening. I'll check you out next Wednesday. Peace. Peace.